Well, welcome to Coffee is for Closers. Uh, I've got a really cool interview for you today. It, I'm sitting with Robert Yoshimura, who is a top producer in Chicago and a fantastic human being. Welcome to the show, Robert. Thank you very much for having me, Tim. So I know you well, but uh, for those who aren't acquainted, I would love for you to introduce yourself. Tell us about you. Sure. I'm Robert Yoshimura, um, South Loop resident, been down in the neighborhood for about 18 years now. I focus and specialize my business there. Uh, about 90% of it is done in the South Loop Printers Row area. Uh, primarily sell condo, a little bit of townhouse, some single family home. Um, but a function of the area is just it's mostly condo. So um, born and raised in Chicago, uh, grew up on the north side, Old Town, Lincoln Park, Lakeview. Um, really just work up and down Lakeshore. Um, I try not to uh, extend myself too far. Um, and it allows me to really hone in and be an expert in the areas that I do serve. That's awesome. And, and as I find, as I talk to more and more top producers, right, that I love how strategic you are with this. You're very specific and you're not afraid to say that, mm -hmm. no, this is where I work yep. and um, this is where I focus. Before we get into that, so tell me your numbers. Like, what have you done in real estate and how long have you been doing it? So I am going on to my seventh year in August. Uh, I will have closed $100 million at, wow. as of the end of July. Wow. Uh, so as of the end of probably when this, around the time this airs. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I got into this. Um, my previous business was not doing well. Um, I did some soul searching and really just, you know, thought about what my strengths are, what my weaknesses are. I love working with people. Um, I also love being an educator. That comes from uh, years of teaching martial arts. Um, so for me, it was uh, it was a great, you know, segue. Uh, point because I had been through a number of real estate transactions, some of them easy, some of them difficult on, you know, the personal side. Yeah. Um, I was familiar with the process, how it works. I'd run into lender issues. I mean, uh, I'd run the gamut. Don't point at me when you well, say no, that. Well, no, not, 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 not with you specifically. <laughs> no, sure. uh, cough, cough, Bridgeport Bank. No, that's right. uh, um, so, that's yeah, right. I mean, just in general, was familiar with the process. Sure. Obviously not an expert by any means. Um, you know, that's something that was uh, honed and finally tuned over, you know, 50 plus transactions a year for the last, you know, six, almost seven years now. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm very fortunate. I'm very blessed. Uh, my clients are everything to me. Uh, without them, I'm, I'm nothing. I have nothing. Uh, I go back to, you know, trying to figure out what I'm doing for a living without them, right? So um, I treat them as such. It's like every single time you close a deal, you find out you're unemployed again, right? You got to go find that next, that next transaction. Fortunately, now the pipeline is a little bit further built out, sure. so I don't necessarily feel unemployed. I feel like you know the unemployment lines down the street a little bit, yeah. You know, yeah. and I might start walking that way if uh, if I don't stay aggressive and I don't keep hustling. So, what do you think the key to your consistency is? What, what do you what do you th what being a part of the martial arts side of things? I mean, that's that that synergy there is amazing because the amount of discipline you need. Um, probably helps you in your real estate career. Yeah, for me, it's it's also routine, right? Um, and that's part of discipline. Sure. Um, you know, every day I get up at the same time. Uh, every day I go to the gym. That's my hour for me. I'll give the other 23 hours a day to my clients, but that's my one hour for me. Um, and so I prioritize that usually early in the morning. Um, I work constantly. You know, I, I come from a hardworking family. My dad was a Chicago police officer. My mom was an entrepreneur, small business owner. So I saw them working constantly. Um, my dad didn't take a lot of days off. He worked holidays, you know, whenever he could do overtime, he would work overtime. My mom being a small business owner was in a position where, uh, like real estate agents where 
you quote unquote make your own schedule, but that just means you're working all of the time, right? right? right. So I don't typically take days off, much to my wife's dismay. Um, you know, I will prioritize, you know, when I when I need to. Uh, but I prefer to spread out a larger amount of work over seven days rather than trying to cram it into five or you know six. It just doesn't work, and it causes me to be a lot more stressed out. And you know, uh, I don't want to be—I don't ever want to feel like I'm in a job where I'm, you know, I'm I'm always stressed out. Or you know, uh, that was part of the reason I chose real estate to begin with. So I love that. I I I. I think it's it's a little different than most would say right now with stress levels because it's you know the market's a little different, yeah. but the discipline that you describe probably helps you you know get through these transactions because sometimes it means just taking a breath right and problem solving. Yeah, one of the things I heard early in my career um, on Facebook uh, from Tommy Joy of all people uh, was Joy. about focusing being in your business versus working on your business, right? So when you're in your business, you're doing showings, you're doing transactions, you're on the phone with clients and agents and attorneys and lenders. Uh, when you're when you take yourself out of that, which I tend to try and do Q4 because it slows down a little bit between Christmas and uh, and Thanksgiving. That's when I'm business planning. That's when I'm thinking, you know, hey, what did I do great this year? Where do I need to improve? What could I be doing better? Um, and I think. One of the things that you you would see with most uh, high producing, high level producing individuals in any field um, is that they have to do that. You know, if you're not moving forward, you know, uh, you're, you're going to sink and drown. Right. So for me, it's important to have at least some period of time during the year where I either take myself out of a transaction or I take myself out of my business, my day to day to, to focus on, you know, uh, building that, keeping it consistent, you know, uh, doing things that are going to promote more business later, like the farmers markets and the South Loop. Um, I, I also serve on the board of directors for the PDNA, which is the Prairie District Neighborhood Association. Um, I serve on HOA boards, you know. So I do all of these other things because it's it's number one, they're skill sets that are related to what I do. Um, I'm a big believer in community. I know you just had Corey Tanzer on here talking a lot about community. Um, as agents, we are representing our clients, uh, but we're also representing our neighborhood, right? At least if you're hyper local the way I am. So for me, you know, doing, you know, the American Dream TV or doing, you know, um, is a way to build positive media and really express the great things about the South Loop specifically. You know, it, it like many areas in Chicago, 2020 had its issues. Yep. Um, you know, there's still this perceived, um, you know, notion of, of crime in not just the South Loop, but in, in and around downtown in general, right? Um, I think as agents, one of our responsibilities is, you know, promoting the area that we're in, telling people all the good stuff. You know, when I talk to people, you know, a lot of my family's in Michigan where my wife is from, and, you know, they find out we live in the South Loop and it's, Oh, are you guys driving around in bulletproof vests down there? Like, you know, and that's that's the perception from the outside, right? So frustrating because the media paints this picture about Chicago that um, I'm not from Chicago. Okay. Right? I came here from Tucson, Arizona, and so my experience is all fresh, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, it's just walking the door and, and seeing what I see. And it the media paints this picture like we're all dodging bullets as we're walking to work. Yeah. And sure, we're a big city. We have crime. But I love what you just said because it's the truth. There's hardworking, really good people. And there's people who care about their community. There's people who spend a lot of their time 
giving back um, and doing special things, but also being entrepreneurs, going for it. And um, I'd love to unpack what you just said. So you mentioned the farmer's market. So you're involved with farmer's markets in your area? Yeah, so I sponsor the South Loop Farmer's Market. Um, I'm there twice a week. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, So Thursday from uh, 4 to 8 p.m., uh, it's right across from Grand Park at Roosevelt, Michigan. Um, and then Saturday mornings uh, from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., it's in Printer's Row uh, right there in the middle of Printer Square. So, so. you're there every, twice a week? Twice a week, every week for 20 weeks. Do you, do you have a booth? Uh, I do. I have a tent set up. Um, you know, I'm not there selling anything. Um, it's kind of an abstract concept for a lot of people. They're like, oh, you're at the farmer's market. What are you selling? Right, right. right. Um, I'm not selling anything. You know, I'm there to have conversations. I'm there to be myself. Um, I'm there to remind people that I'm in the neighborhood. You know, I love it. I see past clients that I haven't seen in a while. It's a great place to reconnect with them. Uh, It's a great place to meet new people. Um, I typically have a lender with me to answer questions about interest rates and loan process and what they can and can't do. Um, And then I'm there to help them with, you know, if they have questions about, hey, what's the market doing? Or, hey, you know, uh, what's my home worth, right? You know, I can answer those questions for them right there on the spot. And when you when you talk about you know crime and, and the media and the way that they're putting things together, yeah. but yet here you are, two days a week yep. at a farmers market yep. in the South Loop, yep. and and the community behind a farmers market is huge. I mean those those are good people. They're families. There's there's yep. you know that's a that's a that's a really good thing for the community. And you typically find people who are neighborhood centric, right? They're there because this is their neighborhood and. Good food and 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 groceries and and you know uh, networking yeah, with other businesses. One one of the things I see more at the Grant Park Farmers Market is that because of its location being central to the Roosevelt uh, L Station, Lakeshore Drive, uh, we do actually have a lot of people that come from other neighborhoods too. Wow, um, and people that are just in town visiting, you know, maybe doing something down in Museum Campus, will stop by the South Loop Farmers Market because they see all the tents. Um, wander through and you know it's great to have conversations with people from outside of your city or outside of your state as well Um, it it helps you get a more dynamic um, opinion of Chicago and their experience there Um, you know you you not being from Chicago that's that's an advantage in some regards too Mm -hmm. Um, you don't have the years and years and years of the daily regime and then the ROM regime you know um, to kind of you know bias you um, in some ways that like people who are from the city remember when things were a certain way or whatever. Sure. Um, you know, but it really, I think, you know, having grown up here and, and, you know, having a father who was in law enforcement, you know, crime was always present, um, at least in my life or at least in, in, in the, the filter with which I, I, I see my childhood and my teenage years and my young adulthood through. Um, I think what's really changed is access to information. You have apps like citizen, you've got, you know, Chicago Crime Spotter on YouTube or Twitter. Um, people are hearing and seeing things um, at a much more personal level mm-hmm. and much faster. And a lot of times without any due diligence, right? So sometimes we'll be laying in bed and my wife's phone will go crazy at 1130 at night. Right. And I'm like, what's going on? And she's, oh, I'm on the Citizen app, you know, reported shooting at so-and-so location. You know, and then we we find out the next day, oh, somebody shooting off fireworks at Grand Park or something illegally, right? Right. Not gunshots. So there's this perception. If they didn't, you know, if we hadn't followed up and found that out, though, 
That's the perception the would have been it was gunshots. Yeah, right? and, and what I love about it is what what I hate about it is is that they love telling you that it was gunshots, mm-hmm. but they don't come back to you and tell you, oh, we figured out it was fireworks. Right. It's just there was gunshots, yep. and that's the the headline of everything. Yep. You know, there's um, there's plenty of neighborhoods too where you know it's somebody screwing around in the backyard. There's something going on, and it's mm-hmm. not as big of a deal as it needs to be. You know, the latest being you know. Uh, <laughs> As we get closer to Fourth of July, I could see this happening over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have certain pockets of neighborhoods where some things are happening that you know need to be addressed, but it's not all of Chicago, right? I, I don't think anybody feels that it's all of Chicago. Um, I think the perception, specifically from outside of the state or outside of the city, is that it's all downtown. Yeah, sure. You know, and I don't like to point fingers, but a certain mayor, whose name will remain out of this conversation, uh, really. Did a There's a tax for that, just so you just know. Just really, there is a tax for it, too. Um, it's right behind water bottle tax. Right, um, right. What would they, pro- they proposed gym shoe tax at one point. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I really think there was a failure to uh, protect tourism. Yeah. A failure to protect uh, the businesses, specifically along the Mag Mile. And there was a failure to protect the neighborhoods that directly surrounded that area. Um, so the result of which is this perception that downtown and the surrounding areas are unsafe. Um, that made the market really tricky in 2020, right? We saw a year and a half's worth of inventory at the high point because anybody who had a second, you know, a second home here or an in-town or pied a or whatever you want to call it, um, anybody who was kind of on the fence, you know, uh, maybe struggling with some health concerns too surrounding coronavirus and the pandemic we saw them all flood the market with their inventory all at once and simultaneously buyer demand you know consumer confidence and buyer demand dropped through the floor so all of a sudden it went from this really decent seller's market to a buyer's market almost overnight when the civil unrest started occurring in 2020 Um, i think it's been a slow recovery Um, condos have had their you know, it's been a roller coaster. A lot of that tides, you know, simply to interest rates, right? Um, you had, you know, two and a half, three and a half percent, you know, 2021 going into 2022. Everybody capitalized on that that could. Uh, you had multiple offers, obviously, in many areas. People got frustrated with that, ended up resigning leases or, you know, renting elsewhere, finding areas where maybe the market wasn't so hot. So let's let's unpack that for mm-hmm. a second, right? So, with our audience, you know, trying to figure out the whole point of this show, right, is to give value back to real estate agents yep. and, and really get an opinion from the people who are closing deals. Mm-hmm. A common objection we run into right now is, you know, I'm I'm fielding calls from consumers and realtors of how, you know, what is your opinion on interest rate impact, and, you know, is a crash coming, right? And those two things are really interesting to unpack um, in regards to what happens when rates come down, mm-hmm. and you know, when is inventory coming back, right? What is your opinion on, on what's coming next? So I think the the perception with interest rates has sort of normalized to some regard. I'd agree. People understand, hey, two and a half, three and a half, probably never going to happen again. Right. Uh, it, it would be great if it does for most people. Um, certain, uh, I would say certain areas of the market may not, uh, benefit from that though, particularly if you're selling and then trying to buy, right? You're going to run into that increased increased demand. Uh, but so, the so attitude to, to unpack that, mm-hmm. right? You've got a seller 
that is unwilling to sell their house because they're at two and a half percent, right? They bring it to market because rates came down and they're like, oh, okay, now I'm willing to buy because I can give up my two and a half and get a, you know, a five or a four or whatever it is, right? Well, that seller then turns into a buyer. Right. So you've got inventory, but you also got another buyer. It becomes tricky. I think depending on the age of the buyer too, right? right. A lot of times that seller who refinanced into that two and a half, three and a half is at that age, empty nest, might be going condo, yeah, which might not be as competitive depending on where interest rates are. Uh, or they're, you know, they're going to Florida or Arizona or Vegas. You know, they're, they're taking that next step, you know, in their retirement where they just want to be left alone, so to speak. Sure. But I do think we're at the tip of the spear uh, when it comes to inventory shortage. We're seeing it in the suburbs, single family home uh, demand is outpacing supply. Uh, new construction is not able to keep up. I think that's a byproduct of increase in materials uh, during during the pandemic. I think it's a function of supply chain shortages would be the next one. Yeah. I also think that because you couldn't have big crews working during the pandemic, you know, the state limited the number of people that could gather in one place that included certain workers, right? So they weren't able to actually put new construction up as quickly. You had a lot of skilled labor retiring from their trades. Uh, I saw that personally a number of times. Called my plumber. Hey, guess what? I'm, I'm retired now. You know, they just didn't want to deal with it. It wasn't worth the health risk, and it, and it wasn't worth all of the other things that were going on at the time. The, the good news is, is the reports are starting to come out on new permits pulled, right? right? So we're starting to see that, you know, they're they're – trying to get these built and, and provide because it's not a question at least for the people with boots on the ground right is what i'm hearing from you as well is mm-hmm. is demand is is far out surpassed the inventory right we have more people that want to buy it's just there's nothing to buy that what they're trying what they're looking for correct right um so as we start to create that inventory those people will come to market or or, or go to contract but also too you know, you have some of these older homes that some of them need to be, you know, they've been built a quite a bit, you know, long time ago. They need to be updated, right? Yep. So you'll start to see some of those jobs open up um, as those units need to be rehabbed or, or those homes need to be rehabbed. So there's there's going to be plenty of work available. So hopefully that points towards, you know, some more stability in the economy and more jobs available. The challenge is, is obviously, is the trades, right? We've been seeing this lately is that yep. there's not a lot of people jumping into the trades because... Everybody wants to invest in Bitcoin or whatever. You know, I mean, it's it's all this push button, you know, type of work. My wife and I are at that age where you know we're talking about children, and you know, there's always that debate. College, I, I obviously I think college is a great thing. I think in the future, you know, trade, you know, skilled trade labor is actually going to be more valuable. Yeah, I agree. You know, so you have a son, instead of sending him to college, you know, get him a journeymanship. Send, you know, teach I've heard how HVAC to, is crazy te- right Teach him how to work yeah. with their hands. You know, yeah. I, there right. were painters I know during the pandemic making well over six figures a year painting houses. Yeah. Painting yeah. the inside of, of condos. Because nobody wanted to do it. Be- because nobody wanted to do it. Nobody knew how to do it well. Yeah. And, and you know, if you, if you don't know how to do it, you don't know how to do it well, you always pay somebody else to do it, right? Yeah. And there was such a premium to be charged because they were so busy. So, you know, that's one of those things. 
my generation when we were younger was taught, oh, you go to high school, then you go to college, then you get the office job, and then you know you you come out of college making six figures, and and everything's going to be great. You know, what we found when we got out of college was that those jobs aren't that those don't exist, right? Right. And I think a function of that is just you know, corporations are monsters. They they'll lay off people, and they'll merge those positions with somebody who is at that salary base, right? Yeah. Uh, rather than hiring somebody new in that in that same role. So, so, so pivoting to, to, to future outlook and, and market, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people are going to be watching this wondering, okay, well, let me get this straight. This guy goes to a farmer's market. <laughs> he just stands there, right? And he gets all this business. He's done $100 million in seven years. Is that what I need to do, right? Having conversations with you, um, talk to me about Talking about doormen, like I think we okay. had a conversation yeah, about it. It was the most genius thing I've heard. Okay. And I'd love to share if you don't. Yeah, mind. so I mean, there, there's a number of things. Let me start. I'm not just one dimensional sure. standing sure. at a farmer's market. <laughs> hey, come buy real estate, you know, for, right, for right. me in the South Loop. Um, uh, one, one of the things that helped me very early in, in, in this career was developing a rapport with uh, the buildings that I work in. Yeah. Um, there aren't a ton in the South Loop. So being an expert, and learning them was fairly simple and straightforward. Uh, getting to know the door staff is a great resource for new agents that are uh, looking to gain business um, because they're the gatekeepers, right? They know who's moving in, they know who's moving out, particularly tenants. Uh, so you know that's a great way to, you know, network your way into. Hey, I got a rental listing. Hey, I've got this the seller that wants to sell. Uh, it happened to me literally not even a month ago. Um, I had a seller call me, said, hey, so-and-so gave me your card. Uh, she had nothing but great things to say about you. You know, That's I'd love awesome. to meet with you. I'm meeting with a couple other agents as well. Yeah. You know, but I'd love to meet with you, see what you're all about. Uh, the door staff are the gatekeepers, right? The property managers are the gatekeepers. They know what's going on. So why wouldn't you want to talk to them if you can? This is genius because I live downtown and when I, my wife and I lived downtown at 420 East Ohio, right? We were renting, trying to figure out where we wanted to live in, in the city. I figured out real quickly that the doorman was the gatekeeper. Like, he knew everything. He knew everybody's business. He knew the oh, yeah. mail. He knew oh, yeah. if you had guests. He knew who you were dating. He knew everything, yeah. right? And so his job was to build a relationship with you so that – at the end of the year, when they did like the voting thing of who their favorite doorman was, I don't know if they got a bonus for it or something. There's a they, bonus. They you wanted know, you to, yeah. you know, well, to vote for them. It was great. You know, and that's the other thing, right? You know, I sit on four HOA boards and uh, the building we live in, as well as our investment properties. So, uh, being on the board gives me that sort of unique, you know, that unique point of view as yeah. to what the door staff deal with. Yeah. On a daily basis, too. You know, uh, when I go, my building has 24 hour door staff. I'm on first name basis with all of them, obviously. And, yeah. you know, they're telling me everybody's business. And, you know, a lot of times it's just like, guys, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I, I don't need to know. That's so know? funny. So, um, but yeah, I mean, door staff is a great way to do that. Um, you know, that's that's one area where I think if you're an agent, you're sitting around right now, you're saying, hey, I, I don't know where my next deal is coming from. You live in a certain area. You probably already have at least you know some familiarity with the door staff. Why not br- bring them coffee? Drop by, say hi, give them business cards. Yep. You know, let them know like, you know, you, you work in that area. Remind them that you're there. You know, I think one of the big difficulties that ag- that agents face is there are so many. You know, uh, and if you're not staying top of mind, you're not getting the business. 
Right. So that's where the farmer's market comes in. It helps me stay top of mind. I've got my name, you know, and my logo on the tent. Uh, I'm there week in and week out. People see how committed I am. Two weeks ago, it was 40 degrees. I'm sitting there in my North Face bubble jacket, shivering, you know, trying to talk to people, giving out like cupcakes and cookies and stuff to kids. That, wow. that actually came, you know, the That's wind commitment. is, the wind is whipping through at 25 miles an hour. It, I, I'm, I had to makeshift, uh, basically like a chain out of zip ties to my tent, to my chair, to oh, keep wow. my weight to keep my tent from blowing away. Wind, windy city yeah <laughs> right so yeah. i mean but that's you know when people see you week in week out there's a level of familiarity there but it also reestablishes the fact that like hey i'm 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 the number one agent in that area right as of last week i double checked the numbers with uh mr tanzer he said i'm still number one in one six he said i moved up to like top three in oh five so you know wow. in the south loop i'm 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 at the top of the list right now congratulations well i hope i stay it i hope i stay there but thank you that's we'll awesome, see. man. That's really yeah. awesome. The um, so we we start farmers market. We started mm -hmm. by Dorman. Yep. What what other any other ideas or, or what do you do? Um, do you, do you do any like like analyzation? Do you analyze your own business and and maybe how do you how do you improve? Like what do you look at what you're doing and how do you figure out yeah. you know how to improve yep. on, on what you're doing? So when. Whenever you're in any business, I think as, you know, I consider myself a business owner, even though I'm a real estate agent um, and I have a brokerage that I'm under, you have to constantly evaluate, you know, your own performance. The best way to do that is by talking to your clients or maybe the people who didn't use you, right? So when I get a listing, I always ask them, hey, you know, what was it about me specifically that you, that you guys gravitated towards or that you liked, you know, or if I don't get the listing and I, and I have the opportunity to have that conversation, it's, Hey, what could I have done better? Yeah. You know, what, what was it about me specifically? Was there anything specific or was it just, you know, somebody gave you a better deal or, you know, um, they're, they're discounting their, their commission or whatnot, you know, just so I understand, um, adapt to survive is one of my, you know, it, it's, it really hits home for me. It's, one of the things I focus, you know, in, in my business, if you're not adapting, you're not surviving. If I don't constantly get better, if I don't constantly change, then the market's going to change without me. Yep. And, you know, I'm going to be that meme where it's like, Hey, Becky, can you fax me that contract? And it's like, no, I can't, Becky. It's not 1984, right? Or the glamour shot book business card. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. So, I mean, you know, not to make not to make jests out of you know older agents or anything like that. Sure. Um, certainly, I think most of them that are in the market now have really adapted to technology. Um, but that's one of those areas where it's constantly evolving, right? So, if you're not using it and you're not learning it, then you're falling behind. And if you're falling behind, eventually, somebody who is using all of that will you know, we'll overtake you or we'll start taking your market share. But but I want to unpack what you just said, mm -hmm. right? Is that you're adapting, you're using the technology because it does make your business easier. I think this is where mm -hmm. a lot of loan officers and realtors are missing a piece of that they're reliant on these tools to make their job easier, but they're forgetting that they need to go back and maybe pick up the phone. Yep. Maybe have the courage to call yep. again, right? Follow up with that client. Oh, yeah. Laracy was talking about it in one of his interviews saying, you know, I pick up 
agents all, I pick up clients all the time because I'm the only one that followed up. Yep. They weren't even going to go with me. Yep. And it's because of the fact that I continue to follow up. If, if you don't have the courage to ask them, why didn't you go with me so that you can be better for the next right. one? I love that. Yeah. I mean, I think there's two things there. The first is if you're in any conventional sort of job interview, you go in, you interview. If you don't follow up with the company, you're not getting the job. Right. Right. Why would it be any different for real estate? So that's the that's the, kind of the first thing. If you're not doing that, why? Yeah. You know, that's crazy to me. Uh, I want to be top of mind. You know, it's what I was hitting on before. If, if I don't follow up, I'm not top of mind. If so you're not just, aggressive in the follow up, so, then yeah. what are you going to do in the deal? So, so they just might go with the p person who bothers to reach out, right? I mean, I think the other thing it says is like, hey, it wasn't important enough to follow up, which, yeah. you know, how's the seller supposed to feel about that? Or how's the buyer supposed to feel about that? You know, I, my, my property or me, my family didn't warrant a phone call. Right. You know, and, and I don't know that anybody takes it that personally, but at the same time, you know, I, I would, I would why say gamble on it? Why I, gamble on it when it's a phone call? Sometimes what happens is, is that, you know, life happens, right? Like mm -hmm. me, my schedule is completely, I do business with people who follow up with me, mm -hmm. not necessarily because it's the best price, because they find me important enough to follow up and I respect it, right? Mm -hmm. The same thing with real estate is if you're not following up with them and they've got, they're trying to figure out a move, they're trying to figure out all the stuff, they got a new job, that whatever the reason that they're buying a place or moving is, they'd appreciate the fact that you're being a support level, right? You're, you're, hey, listen, I know you're busy. Let me help you. Let me, maybe it does take two phone calls because of whatever's going on in their own life. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the best compliments I get fairly regularly is that my clients know that I'm busy, but when they take the time to express the gratitude after the deal or whatever, and then they also add something to the effect of, we know, you know, you made us feel like we were your only clients, you know, even though you may have been working with, awesome. with, with so many, you know, so I really take that, that that's the experience though, that was lacking when I was younger and working with, you know, working with, with agents, uh, personally, you know, I saw that there was this, everybody's busy. The agents that I had dealt with previously when I was buying and selling for myself, were the the good ones were the ones that made me feel like I was important, uh, whether I was or not, you know I don't know, but they made me feel like I was. Right. And and part of our you know part of our job beyond protecting our clients and beyond you know being an advocate for them, is is also you know we we wear out we wear a lot of hats you know and so one of those might be counselor or it might be you know therapist uh, therapist yeah, yeah. you know, but to make them, f this is a huge financial decision for them. So it's important to them, it should be important to us too. So Agreed. taking that time and maybe, you know, spending a few extra minutes on the phone. You know, I have a client right now whose wife is pregnant. She just got through her first trimester. I was calling him weekly just to check up on her, make sure she's okay. She was having a real rough first trimester, a lot of morning sickness, things of that oh. nature. Um, and not cause it was jeopard, you know, cause it had the you know potential to jeopardize the deal because they're my neighbors. Because they're a human being. They live, yeah, yeah, and they live in my neighborhood, and I, yeah. I don't want them necessarily to add more stress to their lives with maybe a real estate purchase when, you know, health is obviously, you know, the biggest thing, family and health. You know, it's the, it's the airplane thing, right? You know, put your, put your own mask on before you put somebody else's on. Sometimes putting your own mask on is telling that person, like, hey, you know, maybe a real estate transaction is not the best idea. And I, and I did ask them that too. I said, Hey, with the stress of this pregnancy, is this something you, sh you guys feel is still the right time to do? Because if it's not, 
you know, I can find you another condo later down the road. I need to make sure that you guys are okay first. So putting your clients before you, I think, is the is the underlying point there. And I think that we should always be doing that in, in any way we can. You know, in this case, it was something health related. But I mean, there are certainly other uh, other situations where we should be doing that. So you, you're community centric, right? Mm-hmm. You're in the farmer's markets, yep. you're, you know, the doorman, you're doing all these things. It's very obvious that you're very laser focused on, on these areas. You're also extremely sincere with your clients. You, you obviously care about them mm-hmm. and you go above and beyond even saying, you know, is this the right time to do a deal? Once we get all that done, what does an agent do like, like yourself? Like wh- what do you do when you're submitting offers and it's a multiple offer situation? Like how do you, like just having a client in this market, unfortunately isn't enough, right? right? You're dealing with other sellers, you're dealing with other agents, you're yeah. dealing with, you know, multiple offer situations where there's 17 offers on the deal. How yeah. do you win? So, I think being on both sides gives you some of that information right off the bat. When I have a listing and there's multiple offers on it, the, the buyer who has the best chance to win is the agent who bothers to pick up the phone and call me. Hey, what's your seller looking for here? You know, um, and, I'll, and obviously we have confidentiality. I can only tell them so much, right. but I can kind of point them in the right direction, you know, and uh, so speed when, is important or whatever, right? Well, like, but here's yeah. the thing. Maybe it's not, yeah. you know, um, one of the things I like to put in my offer, let the seller choose the closing date. We're flexible. Hmm. They want two months, give them two months. They want a month, That's give smart. them a month. They want to close in two and a half weeks. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Right. We'll do our me, best. Get it done. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I think people, you know, when, when you're buying, you're really focused on yourself. You know, when you're in a multiple offer situation that changes, you now need to focus on the seller's needs more than your, sometimes more than your own. Now, that's not to say that you need to go and, you know, put yourself in harm's way. I heard a lot about like waiving inspections and stuff like that. I would never allow a client. I've never had a client waive an inspection. I would never allow them to waive an inspection. Uh, To me, that is the biggest point of protection, even more so than an appraisal. Uh, because that's your chance to educate yourself as to the condition of that home and make that decision. Hey, we gave the seller as his condition. We're not waiving the inspection though, because we need, we at least need to know that, you know, the property is in decent condition, at least per our expectation. Right. So, you know, terms like as is are great. Uh, you know, finding out what the seller's closing date, you know, preferred closing date is, uh, how important is earnest money? You know, some sellers put a lot of importance on that as more of a show of financial strength than anything. Uh, but that's certainly something that like could be a negotiable, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Seller wants to see 5% earnest money. Okay. I'll give them 5% earnest money. You know, uh, the bottom line is the state of Illinois and the city of Chicago is extremely protective of the buyer. There are very, very few instances where the seller would actually get to keep that. Um, that's a great point because a lot, I don't think a lot of people put much strength behind earnest money because of that fact. It's that, you know, it is, it is a good faith, but there's lots of protections behind the buyer. So maybe buyer's agents out there aren't giving it as much weight and that's why they lost the deal. Well, but that's the thing too. It's not about you. It's about the seller. If the seller seller is of a certain, we'll say age or a certain generation, earnest money meant a lot more, right? It's true. So that might be something that's important to them. But the bottom line is if you're not figuring out what's important to them other than purchase price, because obviously that, you know, tends to be number one, um, 
then you're you're doing a disservice. To... So don't just don't just send the offer in the email and wait for a response, right? Well, and, and you know, we we talked a little bit about like city agents versus suburban agents. You know, I I don't do a ton of business in the suburbs. You know, but I've noticed a, a pretty stark difference in terms of the level of communication. Suburban agents tend to be, at least in my experience thus far, um, much more communicative. You know, city agents will send an offer shoot a quick text if you're lucky well yeah. hey offer in your inbox right you know and and that's kind of all you hear about you know or when's best and final dubai right you know that it's very it's very brief and it's very uh cold and callous uh which is which is fine but you as long as you're not putting your clients in harm harm's way in the process right so what i appreciate about you know the, the suburban agent is they're calling to double check things, you know, speaking to the lender. Yeah. You know, that's something that I that I was taught to do and I still do. You know, I try want to make sure, hey, if I've got a I've got a pre-approval here. Did you run credit? You know, and, and the real good lenders like you will actually pick up the phone and call me. I don't even have to make that phone call, which makes my life a little bit easier. That? If you're a lender and you're watching this, look, if you're not making the phone call to the sell, the, it's the biggest disservice you're doing to your agent. You have to make that phone call. Well, Otherwise, it, the deal could die. Well, in multiple offer situations, too, you're, you're trying to distinguish yourself from every other offer. You're trying to put personality behind, you know, uh, behind the buyer. So... You know, one of the things I always, when I when I have the ability to, and, and they are using, you know, the professionals that I, you know, give them options and they, they rec you know, they choose. If they choose the professionals that I work with, one of the things I put in my offer is, hey, just a quick heads up, buyer is using my recommended team, lender, inspector, attorney. As such, you know, I, I can pretty much guarantee you this is going to be a smooth, easygoing transaction. Now, of course, there are un unforeseen variables there. But everything we can control, we will, and we'll, we'll do it well because we work. We're very, you know, high-functioning professionals, and everybody I work with is an adult and does their job. Yeah. Um, I think that's another thing we run into in this industry is pointing the finger at so and so. You know, oh, his titles fall. Oh, this is so and so's attorney's fault. You know. Bad um, news doesn't get better with age, right? And it's it's just communication. It's that when you have a team that's all aligned, look, there could be a problem. But sometimes that problem is very easily solved if you're just upfront about it and we yep. just put our heads together and with a high level team of everybody rowing in the same direction, if the buyer's agent and the seller's agent are on the same understanding of we're all just trying to get a deal done and, and for our client's best interest, but sometimes that communication is, is, is everything. Otherwise it's a last minute or they're hiding things and then they yep. feel taken advantage of and it's just, it's, it's I, a whole other thing. I, you know, I'm the first person to say, I could not do the volume or function you know, as efficiently or at the capacity that I do if the people that I rely on, attorney, lender, you know, inspectors, weren't high level work, you know, functioning professionals. If they didn't do their jobs to the, to the you know, quality that I expect them to do. That would put more work on me. Yeah. And that's the conversation I have with my clients too, is like, hey, you're welcome to use whoever you want. I'm happy to get you as many recommendations as you want to go through. You're welcome to check Yelp or, you know, what, you know, however you want to find who you want to work with is totally okay with me. Yeah. Just know that you may be creating more work for yourself. And when you're already, you know, jumping through hoops for lender and doing all this other stuff, that might not be the best thing for you. You mean your cousin that's a, 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 an injury attorney is not the guy we should use for a real estate attorney? I mean, what, what are we talking about? You know, I, I, I am very 
I'm a very big advocate of staying in my lane, but also that my professional, you know, that the professionals I work with stay in their lanes, yeah. but also that they do their jobs. And I think when everybody does their job, the end result is a happy client. And that's the most important thing. You know, it doesn't matter if I'm dealing with nonsense. It doesn't matter if they're dealing with nonsense and we're fighting behind the scenes and, you know, to get stuff done, you know, titles not cooperating or, you know, the other side's attorneys not cooperating. As long as we're cohesive, you know, for the buyer, I think that's a big deal. And I think in a multiple offer situation, yeah, that should be a big deal. Um, when I get an offer, I'm looking at who is the lender, what's their down payment, you know, what's their interest rate? That could be indicative of credit issues too, right? I'm, um, I'm, I'm running into this regularly, right? I'll talk to an agent, and, and this is not a knock to anybody, right? I, I, this is, this, it's hard right now. This is the hardest market I've ever seen in my entire career. But there's still plenty of transactions getting done. And the reason I say it's hard is because it takes that extra step. Everything that you're yep. describing, you have to do it. It's not a question. It's not an option. If when I run into an agent who says, "I've got all these 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 buyers, but I can't get a contract done," mm -hmm. my first thing I ask is, "All right, well, well, who are you using? What is your process?" You know, yep. and the standard reply, you know, because it's it's not from a lack of effort. You know, they're 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 trying. You know, they'll they'll say, "Well, I do that, and I do this, and I do that." But if you unpack it and you mm -hmm. peel back some of these things, what you're the stuff that you're talking about today is so important. It's the little details. It's yep. the little extra steps. What advice would you have for an agent who's listening to you, inspired, but struggling? What would you say to them? Focus on what you're good at, honestly. Um, I don't cold call. I don't call expireds. I don't call FISBOs. Wow. Uh, that's not who I am. Um, I don't like that position of calling a total stranger and, and, trying to trying to fin you know figure out a way to do business with them uh, I only want to work with people that want to work with me I have my processes in place to ensure that that's the, that's the case um, and when I interview for listings that's very much so my mentality however if you're an agent that's great on the phone and great at cold calling get on the phone start cold calling if you're great at calling expired then great at calling fizzbos call them uh, if you've got a relationship with door staff go talk to them you know, the bottom line is sitting there isn't going to get you anywhere, right? If you're just, you know, idly treading water and you're not moving in any direction, eventually you're going to drown. But also what I've heard during this conversation is, is that be laser focused, right? Like right. you have, you're picking lanes. You're mm -hmm. not dabbling in every little thing. You're picking where you want to be. And if it, yep. if it doesn't, if a deal is not in your area, it sounds like, what do you do with it? I mean, so, so generally for your client, what do, yeah, you, what do you do? I mean, I, I want to find the person who is me in that market. Mm -hmm. That's my job at that point. Sometimes the best thing you can do as an agent is refer somebody that you can't give a hundred percent to, or that you're not the best person for the job. You, you should give it to the person that is right. I think there's enough business in this industry where you know, if we're all cooperating and we're all thinking about, hey, maybe this isn't the best one for me, who is, you know, but a lot of people don't even take the time to do that. They just say, oh, I'll learn on, I'll figure it out on, you know, while I'm doing it. Right. Uh, to me, that's, that's crazy. You know, I, I want every deal I do to be the best deal I've done, you know, and always to be moving forward in that, in that fashion for my clients. So if I, if I am faced with a buyer or a seller that's not in an area I'm familiar with or isn't something I would normally do, I just want to, I want to recommend the person to them that is going to leave a smile on their face. It's smart. Because if they have a smile on their face, they're not going to forget that I was the one that recommended that person to them. 
And then down the road, they may have somebody that is in my lane that they end up referring to me. Or that other agent says, hey, you know, I've got this buyer down in the South Loop. You know, I've been working with them. We've been unsuccessful. Maybe it's because of lack of knowledge, not knowing the area, not knowing the differences in, the, in, in sort of the pockets of the South Loop or m- maybe what they're looking for. Um, and then they refer that to me. So, you know, cooperation over competition, right? That's awesome. Um, we can be... We can be competitive, you know, in, t- in terms of wanting to push ourselves and, and drive for success. But at the end of the day, we're still in a cooperative profession. We're in a relationship-driven industry. Shout out to Corey Tanzer. I, I love your, your guys' relationship because you guys are competitive, oh, yeah. but you're pushing each other, yep. right? He's, he's giving you a hard time in a good way. <laughs> I give way. him a hard, I give right, him but a hard you, time. But you're, you're, you're giving each other hard times. But he's still giving you your, your flowers, if you will, right? Yeah, your well, accolades. Here, here, it's, it's here's great. the thing. You know, I, just on Facebook last week, um, on one of the real estate, kind of local real estate pages on Facebook, Yeah. you know, uh, seller, you know, anonymous, anonymously posts, hey, looking for an agent in the South Loop, right? So here come the wolves yeah. descending in. I had three agents, not just, my, not just my clients that I've worked with. I had three agents, including Corey, Go on Facebook and vouch for me. What a compliment. And say, what a crazy compliment. if you're looking in the South Loop, you're looking to sell, nobody's going to do a better job for you than Rob. That's awesome. Right? And, and to me, that's an even that's as big as a client. If yeah. not, it holds a little bit more weight, you know, because- It's respect. It's respect. And, and, and I have mutual respect for, for Corey. And there's a number of other agents that I have, I hold in a very high level of regard. Um, not just because they refer business in the South Loop to me or anything like that, but because I know that they're really good professionals. Uh, we talked about, um, you know, Matt Laracy's attention to detail, right? When he takes a listing, you go under additional information. If it's a condo listing, I guarantee you'll find a property info sheet. Yeah. To me, that's attention to detail. That's doing the job that we've been hired by our sellers to do. Get that information from the homeowners association, right? I can't tell you the overwhelming majority clone the previous listing it has the wrong year it was built it has the wrong number of units the assessments off you know the what the assessment includes is off you know it, it, it's crazy you know and i know we carry errors and omissions insurance but i've i've had you know i've had buyers get upset because you told us the assessment was this and it's not or you told us uh the building had this and it doesn't not upset with me, but upset with the list agent, yeah, right? Yeah. And sometimes they monetize that against them, right? Yeah. If you take a listing in November and you know it's slow, and that property carries over into January, January third, fourth, you know, pretty much as soon as the property manager is back in, the first call you should be making is, "What's the new assessment?" But this this is the reason why this shows about top producers, right? These are people about extremely professional who get tagged on Facebook when they, when when it, when something comes up. When when with the respect is there, there's a reason. This is how it's earned. For anybody listening to this, this is how it's earned. If you're going to take a listing, the fact that you're not looking at the details, this is this is not just a common thread. It's a requirement. Mm-hmm. You have to be a professional. Okay. What is it that you do for a living? Right, your job is to know the details. Your job is to represent that property correctly. Well, and to the best of your ability, Correct. right? If you just clone the previous listing, is that really the best of your ability? Yeah. If it's it laziness. is, start looking for another job. Right. You know, right. Um, I, again, going back to the door staff thing, the property managers are also the gatekeeper. If you're lucky enough to get a listing, you should want to meet with the property manager. 
You should want to put a face with the name. You should want to learn about them and their experience, you know, managing that building. Uh, Maybe that gives you a little more insight into the building. I was just in one of my listings today. I've known the property manager for years. I popped in after a showing and I asked her what was going on. One of the big, you know, topics that we're dealing with right now is EV charging in in big high rise buildings. And so I just wanted to find out, hey, I know last year when I when I sold the last place, you know, this is where things were at. You know, can you update me? And it was a 180 degree turn. Last year, they weren't even thinking about it. This year, they're getting it done. Yeah. You know, so now I have this amazing thing that uh, I can I can tell people about that I couldn't last year, and that if I'm just cloning listings, I'm, I'm not even going to know about. You know, and now I have that in my in my you know my quiver of arrows, if you will, to help me sell that property and and help me find the right buyer for it. And you won't talk yourself out of out of a out of a building or any of that because you're going to tell a buyer without doing any of the research. Oh no, this isn't going to work, or this isn't you know they're not supporting that. Whereas it's changed. It's this is ever evolving business, and you got to stay and adapt and 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 learn what's going on. Um, I want to switch to you. So, so something I've asked some of my interviews okay. is, 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 is what motivates e. you? Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> what, what motivates you? I mean, this is, you're so even keeled. You've, you seem like you've got a good handle on stress. How? Like, what, what is it that you listen to? Who do you listen to? And, and, and who, what motivates you to, to keep going? So my clients are my number one, you know, motivation. My wife is my number one motivation. Um, you know, she, she understands that I'm only human at around eight. 8.30 at night, you know, out of nowhere, my phone will just get smacked out of my hand and she'll say, hey, I'm here. That's enough. Yeah. You know, and that reminds me what's important, you know, and to me, we we do what we do for our clients, you know, we do, but we also do what we do for ourselves and our family, you know, and so for me, that's what, that's what motivates me. Um, it's very easy to be lazy and to slack off a little and, you know, um, prioritize vacations and things like that when it's just you that you're taking care of. But when you're, you know, somewhat responsible and accountable to another individual uh, or many individuals, if you consider your clients, which I do, fiduciaries like that, uh, then you're responsible, you know, treat it as such. Um, so that's, you know, that's one of the big motivational factors. My parents, just seeing them, you know, hustling day in, day out, um, never, you know, my dad is still working. Uh, my mom is still working. They're oh. semi-retired, but they're the type of people that always need to feel useful. And so they will never, I've, I've, I've already much, much of their own, you know, chagrin, like I, I'm trying to slow them down. It's weird. That relationship changes as, as, as you and your parents get older, yeah. you become the parent, they become the child. Right. Hey right. mom, <laughs> maybe grouting that bathroom is not such a great idea for you. Oh, I love it. You know, because then you got to listen to them for two weeks after complain about how bad their back is, right? Yeah, right. So maybe some of it's a little bit selfish, but um, but seeing that relationship change, you know, my dad is extremely stubborn, full Japanese, just like the most hard-headed person in the world. It took me and my siblings telling him to do things like we have to have a, a family vote to make him realize that like, hey, you need to do this. You know, he's, he, crashed his, he crashed his police bike. Uh, it was like a month before I was born and okay. tore his rotator cuff. Okay. Never had surgery for it. He worked, and I mean, he was SWAT, he was HBT, he was on the SEAL team here. He was oh, a man. range instructor. Um, he worked his entire career and never fixed his shoulder. And so, you know, before he retired, he had the six month period where he wasn't really working. Like he was, 
he was working, he had insurance, but the, basically he was being paid for time due. And we said, hey, maybe this is that time to get that shoulder fixed, right? Because yeah. you can barely drive a car, you know, with, with your bad shoulder now. So he fought us on it tooth and nail. And finally it took like almost an intervention of my siblings and I sitting him down and saying, hey, now's the time to fix that shoulder. You know, your, da um, your dad sounds amazing. Like I, your parents, your both your parents sound amazing. You got an entrepreneurial mother. You got a, yep. you, got the, you know, a, 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 an old school. What I team, you know, I come from Tucson, right? Yep. Where that's it's the same thing. You got th three ways to solve it: either walk it off, drink yep. water, robotus. Yep. Right. Absolutely. And that's uh, to, to have him go through his whole career with a hurt shoulder is is not because he's a masochist. It's because he doesn't have time for it. That's what it sounds like. Well, and and taking care of his family was always the first right. priority. Right. right. So I don't have time for this to hurt. Yeah. You know, that right. would be that that would be the mentality. Yep. Um, my mom is absolutely amazing. You know, she going from being, you know, a stay at home mom to saying, I'm going to try a bunch of different stuff. Yeah. You know, she, it wasn't like she just hit gold on on the first thing or anything like that. It was I'm going to try and fail over and over and over again. And I think in life and I think in our professions, that's what we have to do. You try, you fail, you try something else, you fail. Yeah. You know, when, when I'm talking about making my business better, a lot of that is trying new things. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. If it works, I keep it. If it doesn't work, hey, let me figure, out, let me figure something else out. Right? What comes next for you? What do you see the outlook, you know, for uh, this next year? right to towards the end of the year okay. and then the following what do you think is coming next I, I think that this year is trending a lot like like last year in a lot of regards at least with the condo market here in Chicago okay. so Q1 was you know crazy busy starts to taper off in the summer off uh, by fall it starts to decline and then by winter it's obviously slow what I think we're going to see though is interest rates respond to that I think we're going to see them dip probably around the end of the year and then Q1 next year it's going to take off again so a lot of the listings that I have coming up, you know, that would normally be maybe Q4 listings, I'm already telling them, hey, let's hold off till Q1. Uh, the market, I think, is going to be substantially better in Q1. That gives us, but let's get photos done now. Obviously not right now because it's like Canada is having its way with our uh, our views um, and our and our longings no, that's and everything else. That's not a smoke filter. Yeah, no, <laughs> sorry. Um, well, I mean, I just dealt with that too, right? Um, one of my photographers forgot to get drone shots on a listing. I had him come back, but there was the Canadian haze, is what I'm going to call it, <laughs> you know, ruining my view uh, for my listing. So now I've got to have him come back and reshoot it again, right? I mean, those are things that, you know, we try and anticipate the best we can. We, we do our best to work around them, but there's always going to be those things. Um, but I, I am telling my sellers at this point, like, if you don't need to sell, you know, let's let's get photos done while the weather's still nice and there's still leaves on the trees and it doesn't look like Chicago looks in the winter. Yeah. Um, the lake looks good, you know. Um, uh, let's get the work done, right? It needs to be painted or it needs this or it needs that. Let's let's start figuring that out, getting that in, you know, in, in, in process. Uh, so that way, early next year, we're ready to go. You know, listings built out. Photos are there. I got to update some information with the HOA. But other than that, you know, it's it's a flip of a switch. You know, it's crazy because it, you don't sound desperate, right? And and I shouldn't no. say it's crazy, but it's it's that's what I'm hearing is that you're doing the right thing by your client always. And yeah. if that means waiting a little bit, you're waiting a little bit. It's not just oh, I got a listing. Let's get this thing on the market. It's whatever makes sense for the client, right? It, it's always you know, whenever I'm in a listing appointment, it's not about me. 
It's yeah. about you. I love Let's it. Let's have a conversation. What What are you looking for? You know, I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm not here. I, I'm here to be a guide and I'm here to make recommendations, but I'm not the type of agent to go in and start barking orders or saying, if you want this, then you need to do that. You know, we can get the work quoted, you know, based on the recommendations I'm making. I'm only making these recommendations because I know they're going to be issues for you later. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I know that that bathroom needs caulk. I know that that toilet is leaking. I, you know, I, there, there's a number of things we just see. I call them, I call them the frequent flyers, right? Um, oh, there's no GFCI in the kitchen, you know, and those are things that are, you know, some agents would just leave for the home inspection. Why gamble on it? Yeah, make right. it perfect if you're, and make it stand If you're out. aware of it, let's just take care of it. Robert, you're a fantastic professional, and I guarantee you the people listening to this have, have learned quite a bit, and you've provided value to the industry. You seem like an incredibly humble and, and respectable real estate agent. I really appreciate you coming on today, and uh, thank you for your time. No, I appreciate you having me. Thank you very much, Tim. Great seeing you. Thanks. 